0: Shalom aleichem, Shavua Tov to all of you listeners of this beautiful station, station of Devret Torah, Devret Musar, Devret Orerut, Devret and religious music. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I'm going to be talking about Parashat LeDot, which we read yesterday. There is a passage that talks about the relationship, or whatever happened. Between Ischak Avinu and the Plishtim and their king Avimelech. That passage, passage has approximately, no, exactly 33 Pesukim. 33 Pesukim. Now, the Ramban makes a remark here. He says, Look, why do we have 33 Pesukim? Just for this. After all, you know, take the for example, the Misvav Tefillin. Say, <speaking in Hebrew> very short. Okay, it, it repeats that a couple of times. But it's still, that's a very short. And here we have 33 Pesukim. So the Raman says the following. He says, <speaking in Hebrew> He says, I'm going to tell you a, a general statement. And I want you to understand it about Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. And he says, This is a very important matter. Not so simple. What's the idea? He says, Whatever happened to our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, It means this is a sign that their offspring in the future will probably go through the same events. He says, People think, "Hey, what do we need this story for? There's no no interest from there. He says, no. He says all these things are coming to teach us what's going to happen in the future. So now I'm going to tell you something about the, that passage which definitely shows how Ramban was right. What happened a lot in the future. It starts with coming from Eretz Israel, and he went to the land of the Plishtim. But here Abba Aretz. Okay, there was a famine in the land, so he had to go somewhere. Perhaps he had in mind to go to Egypt, so Hashem right away told him, no, no, don't go back, don't go to Egypt because you are you don't go to outside of Israel, you stay here. Okay. So, so he stayed there. He stayed in Gerar. That's the city of Gerar. It's Avinu was a hard worker. So he worked. He worked in the fields. He started to employ people. And of course, there was a blessing of Hashem. And he says, he actually planted uh, seeds into the land that he had, and then because of the blessing of Hakadosh Hu, whatever the land would give normally, for him it gave a hundred times more. For example, if a piece of land would give ten bushels of wheat, his the same kind, the same piece of land will give him a hundred times more—a thousand bushels instead of ten. So, obviously, now it became. It became very rich. It became very wealthy. Extremely wealthy. It became the Donald Trump of those days. Yeah, a lot of cattle, a of cows, herds, and many, many, many employees that were working for him. Well, Actually, he was doing something good for the town. He started a business where he was employing the people. He was giving them. He was paying them. It's very good. So you need a person like that. Ah, no, 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 no. Why can't No way. It's not from us. He's a Hebrew. He doesn't belong here. He can't have that wealth and get away with it. They were jealous. You're taking our wealth. (laughs) He was doing the work. He contributed tremendously to the prosperity and the abundance of the town. And he had a lot of workers that he was paying. What's wrong with that? No. Not Yitzchak. Not him. Somebody else, yeah. Some plishti, so yeah, but not Yitzchak. All the wells that, that Abraham Avinu, his servants, had dug. What did they do? They stopped them. They put earth into them. And just to annoy him. To afflict him. To give him a hard time. Finally, finally, the word got to the king. Now, Abimelech comes over to Yitzchak. And very, it tells him very straightforward. No, uh, no politics, no diplomacy, no kind language. Very straight. Lech Manu, get out. You we don't want you. This is similar to what's going to happen later to the Bnei to the Jews. What they call edict of expulsion. Out at oh you're too strong for us. You became extremely wealthy. You don't deserve that. See? You're a Hebrew. You you, you, you are you're a stranger here. You can't. So what's he gonna do? you he went away from there? where did he go? He went Nachalgerar, Bayeshib Sham. He went to the valley of Gerar, a little far from the town of Gerar, and he stayed there. Fine. And he started to uh, dig uh, wells. The first one, and the uh, the policemen said, "It's hours, Second one, hour, Finally, the third one, fine. He kept. There's a lot of talk about that also from the Ramban, but I'm not going to go into that. Then what happened afterwards? Then Abimelech comes with his uh, his general, you know, the general of the army, you know, the guy, the, the top of the army there. He comes, Fichol, his name, Fichol mm-hmm. Sartzebao. He comes to Yitzchak Avinu. So Yitzchak says, says to them, Why did you come to me here? You, you hated me, threw me out. Right? What do you want from me? I say, you know what? You really... Doing very good. You're doing a good thing. We saw that Hashem is with you. If you were successful. You're a good man. But hey, don't be uh, don't be disturbed. We sent you out in peace. You were safe and sound. We didn't chop your head. You were fine. Be happy. Be happy that you went out okay. We could have done much worse. When they sent you, fine. Ooh. They they bring a parable about the king of the forest as a lion. One time, he had a bone stuck in his throat. And he said, whoever can take that bone out, give him a nice reward. So, who could do that? So then, then they took this a bird with a long beak and he comes to the lion. Of course, his beak is so long, then he goes right in. And he pulls out the bone. Oh, the lion is very happy. Now the bird asks uh, the king uh, of the forest, uh, promise me a reward. Give me a reward. What's my reward? He says, Fool. Tipesh, your head was right inside my, my mouth. I could have crushed your head, but I didn't. That's your reward. This is what Melech is saying to him. Hey, we sent you. We sent you out, nice, safe, and sound. Be happy with that. Now, this, whatever happened to Itzchak Avinu, is definitely what has happened in the history of the Jews. On and on and again and again and again. We all know or are familiar with the uh, uh, Spanish Inquisition. I mean, we're Sephardim, and we know that we we came over there from, from Spain. The Jews in Spain had been there for a long time, for centuries. And many of them were wealthy, contribute tremendously to the economy. Never, never mind. Comes a time the Queen Isabella says, wait a minute, no, we don't want you anymore. Out. We don't want you here. We don't care. You know, this is like someone who knows if he goes through a certain route he's gonna have an accident. He knows it beforehand. He knows something's going to happen to him, and what? Eh, I don't care. I'm going to go. Anyway, you know. After the Jews left Spain, Spain became slowly and slowly became a poor country. Isabella signed an edict of expulsion, and the Jews had to leave. And it was Tisha B'av when they left. Three hundred thousand Jews left, men, women, children, elderly. They all left. Don Haka, Barbanel was with them. He recorded all these things. This is what happened. What happened to Itzhak Avinu is happened to the Jews. And that's not the only time. This is the time that we're familiar with. You know, in England. In, 12 in the year 1290, okay, 1290. King over there, he says, he, he had a lot of expenses. And you know, first of all, he lived a, 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 a very, very luxurious life. And he had an entourage that numbered the hundreds. And the taxes that he had were not enough. It was not enough. At that time, the Jews were lenders. They were lending money to the goyim, got interest, and they became very prosperous. So we're talking about a lot of money that was in the hands of the Jews. So the king says to himself, wait a minute, I need money. (laughs) And the Jews are here. (laughs) And they're dispensable. They're Jews. They're They're not like us. So what does he do? He wants their money, their properties. He signs an edict of expulsion. It's in England. Out. Jews out. Same thing happened in France. In 11, year 1182, the decree of King Philip. Again, the Jews were there for quite a While. And they were very, uh, uh, very prosperous and, uh, and, and they, they contributed tremendously to, to the economy of, of the country. Never mind. After a while, when the king needs money, he says, hey, this is an easy way out. If they have to fight a war, a war costs a lot of money. So let's get it from the Jews. That's the easiest way to do And on and on, I'm only describing to you expulsion of Jews in large scale. In a small scale, we're not talking about a dozen or two. We're talking about probably a hundred of them. On a small scale, from little town, this and that. Such is the history that repeats itself. And this is what happened, the Ramban is telling us. What happened to the Avotenu Akedushim is going to happen to to their offsprings. For Hashem, we have one friend. We have one father who loves us and will never forsake us. Most powerful father, the Bodhi Aulam. The Creator of this world. He's looking after us. We don't have to worry, because at the end we're gonna well, we shall prevail anyway. We will prevail. Now, to go a little bit into something uh, uh, that, that was talked about in the parsha later on. Many people talk about the beracha which Yaakov took in a, a roundabout way. In an indirect way. Well, he wouldn't have helped Esav anyway. Esav thinks he was a Bechorah, but he sold the Bechorah. It's not for him. Now, Yaakov cooked up a delicious uh, a stew of lentils. That was the day of Avinu passed away. And this was like Seodat Habra'afri. For his father, Ishaq. Ishaq comes from the field, exhausted, fatigued, was hunting, not caring about anything. And he wants, he wants from the lentils. So, Yaakov says to him, you know what? The Bekhora really is not for Ishaq. Bekhora in it means that the person has to be Evid uh, uh, Hashem, he has to serve a The Bechor in those days, you know, were like uh, somewhat uh, kadosh in the sense that they were special to serve Hashem, to do the services of Hashem. <laughs> so Yaakov says to Okay, sell me the Bechorah, How you sold him the Bechorah, Now. The Hachamim say that that day esaf committed five crimes. Amongst them, murder and immorality. If so, how come the Torah does not mention anything about murder? Murder—that's you might think—is much important than just the bechorah. But the Torah says, "Va'yibez Esav bechorah." He spurned it. He had contempt from it. He disdained it. Don't want it. What happens is rabotay is when a person is mevaze something. At the end, he will have no benefit from it. If he, if Esav was mevaze the Bechorah, and the Bechorah entitles them to a Berachah, he wouldn't have benefited from it anyway. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. As you know, Shaul HaMelech, uh, he was always going after David. He wanted to eliminate David. But, uh, of course, David Amelech was also anointed and uh, David the was going to be the next king, no matter what. But Then one time, Shaul was in a cave, alone. David the went inside. And he could have just chopped his head off if he wanted to. But he didn't. What did he do? He just cut off from the corner of his royal robe, coat, He was mevaze He was mevazeh, the garment of the king. What happened? in The haftarah the we read last week, what does it say there? Ve'hamelech David zaken. King David was already old. Ve'ichasuhu ve'lo they put blankets on top of him, down blankets, wool blankets, they put nothing. Loya Hamlo, he, 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 he couldn't get warm from them. This cloth, these cloths, these blankets are made from some kind of material, regardless. It didn't help him. Why? Because he owes me Vazir, the robe of the king. He cut a piece off. That's a bizayon. Because of that, he had no benefit from it. Same thing. He would not have any benefit from it anyway. Now, another illustration is from the shunamite woman. Isha Ashunamit. Elisha promised her she was gonna have a a boy. And she did conceive and she had a boy. But what happened at the end? The boy died. Imagine this woman never had any child. Oh, she has a child. She's hysterical. What's happening here? So she goes to uh, Elisha and Nabi, look, you told me, you promised me a boy, and now he's dead. Okay, go back home. We'll take care of it. What does he do? Elisha and Navi takes his cane. He tells his servant, Hazi, take this cane, go over to this Shunammite woman and then place it on top of the baby and the boy will, he will revive. This will revive him. So as the the Tanakh says uh, Gehazi takes the cane and goes there puts it on top of the boy and nothing happened. How come nothing happened? We talk about an Nabi. When Navi says something, it's got to work. No question about it. It has to work. So the Chachamim give two explanations. One explanation is that this uh, Gehazi, he, like, he, he didn't believe. How... Well, well, A cane like this is gonna get somebody that's dead and bring him back to life. Doesn't make sense. So he wanted to test it. As he was going, he saw a dead dog. He put it on top of the dog. The dog, uh, you know, became alive and <laughs> ran away. He said, Oh, this works. But then when he came to the boy, it didn't work, even go Because the Koach that had that was there in that cane to revive the boy was taken away already. That's one shot. Radak says, on his way to the Shunamit woman's house, he was mocking the whole idea. He was telling the people he meets, "Somebody, you believe this cane is gonna revive a dead person?" He believed it. It was mevazed the cane. He had contempt. When you have contempt and disdain something, it don't work anymore. He went ahead and one it on top of the boy. It didn't work because he was mevaze. That's very important. There's another thing. There's some place Hazal say that the first Beth Mikdash was destroyed. And it says over there, Al-Ozbam et torati." They have forsaken, the Bnei said, have forsaken my Torah. What do you mean, forsaken my Torah? Now, we know for a fact that the first of time Iqdash was destroyed because of the three, the three cardinals, you know, Ahmad Azarang, Gilu What happened with the Torah? And, and secondly, more importantly, that, at that time, they were learning Torah. There was no problem. There was no question about it. They were all learning Torah. So what does that mean? So one pshat is, they did not make the beracha before studying the Torah. They make a beracha. What does that mean? So they forgot to make a berakhah. So what's, what, what, what's the idea behind it? They were not machshiv the Torah enough to make a berachah to Hashem about it. We're studying the Torah. Sure, <laughs> listen. You know the uh, South Koreans. They they study the Gemara. <laughs> the ambassador himself wanted to. You know, I I have one, I have myself. I have a whole set of Talmud. Many people have set a Talmud there. But what does that mean? Nothing. It's like someone studying uh, chemistry, physics, law, whatever. There are some uh, probably in Helonim in Eretz Israel, probably lawyers who have to learn the halakhot of Gerushin and because they have to take care of some uh, uh, client that has to go to Bedin, they may not be religious, but they study anyway. What does that mean? To them, it's just just studying law, that's it. I have to be machshiv, the Torah. Which means, they were not it, it is like with Zion. Torah should have protected them. They should have protected them, and the Beit HaMikdash would not have been destroyed. But because they were not machshiv, the Torah could not protect them any longer. They couldn't have any benefit from it. And that's the idea behind Esav. That's why the Torah was emphasizing because he, he disdained it. Because he had contempt from it. It didn't help him. It wouldn't have helped anyway. The beracha wouldn't help. He can't have any benefit whatsoever. That's why we have to be very careful not to be misused, anything that Hashem gave, especially the Torah. We have to have tremendous kavod that machshiv the Torah. We beracha, share bharbanu mikol ha'amim, the chose us from all the nations of the world. He gave us this beautiful thing, the Torah. We always have to machshiv the Torah. If we machshiv it will be successful there at And as no. I mentioned at the very at the beginning that what that uh, uh, you know there is always that cycle if you maxshiv the torah that cycle will stop and some to some extent the cycle of being thrown out to some extent it has stopped why because Akadoshwar who gave us That is Israel. Now we're not afraid to be chased out of a country because we have a place to be. Russian Jews, some 20, 25 years ago, when they wanted to leave Russia, not because they liked it so much, you know, they loved it because they they were oppressed over there. They went to Israel. Israel opened its door and took almost a million, million Jews there. We will learn the Torah. We will have benefit from it. And Qasrach will help us. And we will always have our land. And no one will ever take it away from us. Rabutai, I want to mention again the fact that this station happens to be a great station. We have to keep it going. And the only way they can survive is through some contributions from yourself. Please try to do, make an effort to help it. Secondly, I want to tell you today is really a special day for SLC. Today was the first day that after the renovation of our ballroom, the social hall, we had our first Brit Mila downstairs. I can tell you that the social hall is absolutely fantastic, beautiful, stunning. I think it'll, it'll pay for you to go there just to see it. It's probably the best ballroom that there is in, in our neighborhood. You will see. You'll see I'm right. Of course, if you have a simha, please contact us. You'll be very, very satisfied. Shavua Tov. and his school, la mitzvot kulechem. Amen.